0: You're listening to Our Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sahlain.orgslash support. Previously, we were examining the life of, of Sauda one of the wives of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi specifically the second wife that he married after Lady Khadija alayhi And we examined the accounts that claimed that the Prophet divorced her. And basically we mentioned that there's no evidence in sahih hadiths that the Prophet actually divorced her or he threatened to divorce her because she was getting gold and he was no longer interested in her. And we talked about the verses of Nushuz. When a wife um, does not fulfill her marital obligations, then what is the path that the Quran recommends? When a man does not fulfill his obligations, what is the course of action that the Holy Quran recommends? We examine that. We'll now just briefly finish examining uh, some two, three points about sawdah and then we'll examine other wives of the Prophet. We do have in some hadiths that Sauda did make some mistakes in terms of some things that she said after the battle of Badr. So some scholars have said that this is a negative stance that we see from Sauda and it's something that was really unfortunate for the wife of the Prophet to make a comment like that. So it has been recorded in history that when they brought the captives of Badr, the prisoners of war from the Mushrikeen, they brought them to the Muslim side, she saw Suhail ibn Amr sitting in one corner of the room and his hands were tied to his neck, his hands were, I'm sorry, his hands were tied with a rope, so basically he was arrested, he was handcuffed with a rope, she said Zawdah, she said I couldn't help myself when I saw that scene, she pretty much became emotional and she told him Ya Yazid. that's his kunya. his title was Yazid. his name was Suhaid ibn Amr, You surrendered with your hands? Why did you not die in honor? What do you make of a statement like that by the wife of the Prophet? Why didn't you keep fighting? Exactly. The implied meaning of such a phrase is why didn't you keep fighting? Fighting who? My husband. Fighting the Muslim side, fighting the Prophet? So the Prophet became very disappointed. And she says, It seems I didn't really know what I was saying until the Prophet he commented and he awoke, he awoke me from uh, what I was saying. And he told me, Ya Sauda. Sawda, you're instigating against God and his prophet. So she said, Ya Rasulullah, I swear, when I saw his hands tied. I just became emotional and I said that so we have Shia scholars who've taken this incident and they, they're like this gives us a negative impression of Soda and how much faith she had in the Prophet and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and especially those scholars who see clear evidence that she would side with Aisha and that camp right as we mentioned before, so you will find Shia scholars pretty much critical of Soda not to the point like they are critical of Aisha and Hafsa but they are critical of her and they would use this example as a troubling uh, a, you know example that you know when you say something like that how can you have full iman for you to say something like that, this is not just an ordinary slip, you're telling the enemy who came to kill you and fight you, when you see him handcuffed, when you tell him why didn't you not die in honor, How come you surrendered? Well, what kind of implication is that? You should have continued fighting the Prophet? That's unacceptable by all standards. Yes, one could say, okay, she got emotional, she didn't really mean it. But a woman of full faith would not say that. That's the argument of some scholars. Yes? It also somewhat questions her allegiances. Like, was she... Be a spy for the other side and it, it, it raises it raises questions well we do know that we don't have any evidence that she spied for the other side right but it does question yet yeah, it does question her allegiance in that moment right on whose side are you for you to say something like that a lot of scholars just brush this off to the side and they say she just got emotional some woman when they see maybe, something in the battlefield, maybe violence, maybe blood, maybe someone handcuffed, they just blurt out something, right? So a lot of scholars have not taken this seriously, but there are some scholars who've taken this very seriously and they're like this one statement here tells us a lot about her personality and especially later when she's sided with Aisha and conspired with Aisha, which might even tell us she may not have had full faith in the Prophet. In any case, this is something documented in in, in our history, that she said that and the Prophet was very upset. In, uh, oh yes, this is mentioned in their sources too. But like I said, um, they well, even Shia scholars, they've brushed this off, they're like, she got emotional, she didn't really mean it and when the Prophet alerted to what she's saying, she kind of regretted what she said, she's like, Ya Rasulullah, I, I didn't really know what I was saying, I just saw him handcuffed and I said what I said and I swear by Allah, I didn't really mean it that way, right, so a lot of scholars have been easy with this statement but some have been really critical, but there's one good thing that we see, one positive towards the end of her life, after the Prophet sallallahu alaihi basically in al-Wada, the final uh, farewell pilgrimage of the Prophet, two months before he was martyred, before he, w- he passed away, Soda was with him in Hajjatul Wada' so she went to that Hajj but never after that did she go to the Hajj and never after that did she travel, so unlike Aisha who traveled, left her house and mobilized armies, Soda says I have, I have nothing to do with that, Soda refused to leave her house or go to Hajj and she even once mentioned, فَأَنَا أَقَرُّ فِي بيتي كما أمرني اللَّهِ I've already done my Hajj, I've already gone to the Umrah, now I'm going to stick to my house just as Allah has commanded me in the Qur'an and so we find that Saudah, Zainab bint Jahsh, they were very clear that we will not uh, لا, تحرك, لا تحركنا بعد رسول الله no means of transportation is going to make us move after the Prophet. We're, we're, we're here. We're going to implement the verse of Surah Al Ahzab that says to the Prophet's wives, stick to your homes. So, Soda, we find that after the Prophet, she did not go with Aisha. She rather stayed and she would not even travel. Were these the two wives who obeyed that Well, Um Salama. Um, we do have some references that she just went for hajj, so without getting any uh, involved in political matters like Aisha did, she just went for ibadah hajj and she came back, so Um Salama's understanding was sin in your homes doesn't mean you're locked in your house, that means don't get involved in matters that Allah has already decided like caliphate, politics, social issues, but if you want to just go for hajj or umrah that's fine, so yes we do have uh, Mm, historical accounts that Umm Salamah went went for the went to Mecca. In, in just normal verses, it seems like you know if you have the Prophet available to you to ask the Tafsir, you would ask, right? And for these women, there that's their husband, and it, that verse it came, you know, khusus for them. Why why was there Ikhtilaf in their interpretation? See, there wasn't Ikhtilaf in their interpretations. Basically. Umm Salama would remind Aisha as we will now examine her biography, well I'll get to that, but Umm Salama reminded Aisha that remember we were with the Prophet, he clearly reminded us of this verse and then he said one of you is going to violate this verse when you're on your path going somewhere and you go by the kilab of Haw'ab, the dogs of Haw'ab are going to bark at you and that's the sign that you're disobeying Allah. So it was understood by the wives of the Prophet that they could leave the house, go to the masjid, run some errands, that's fine, go for ibadah like the Hajj, that's okay, but not to get involved in political matters, that's what the Qur'an banned them from doing. As for um, these two, Sauda and specifically Zainab bin Jash, it seems that when they saw Aisha mobilizing people to make this point very powerful and to make it very clear that we're not getting involved in anything, we're literally going to stick to our homes. Yes, I have the right to go to the hajj, that's fine, the Prophet never banned me from that, but I will even avoid that. So no one will think that I'm going there and maybe having secret talks with someone or mobilizing something with someone. So because they, they they felt strongly about that and they wanted to make sure that they implemented the verse verbatim, without any confusion, they chose that for themselves. So they basically went out of their way to make sure that they're not getting involved in these matters that that's my analysis of it she passed away during the uh, caliphate of Umar ibn al-Khattab towards the end of his caliphate in the city of Medina in the month of Shawwal year 40 khamsin, year 54 of the Hijrah, year 54 of the Hijrah, she passed away, and Al-Waqidi the historian, he says, according to my research, that is the date of her death, some historians have mentioned other dates for her death,